Hello, my friends, and welcome to another podcast. First off the bat, a quick look at the analytics to this podcast called Truth Be Told by myself, Digital Rebel, and it reveals soaring figures, which has both surprised me and put a massive smile on my face because thanks to you guys, the listeners, Truth Be Told has now reached 14 different countries. So a massive thank you to all of the listeners from Spain, Finland, Italy, Cyprus, Uganda, South Africa, Ireland, Germany, the Netherlands, Canada, Greece, Australia, the US and the United Kingdom. And as far as I'm concerned, the more the merrier. If we can get conversations going and questions asked to as many countries in the world as possible, it can only be a good thing. So thank you all. Today's podcast is titled George Orwell versus Aldous Huxley. And the big question that arises from this title is whose book comes closest to today's reality? George Orwell's 1984 and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World both are becoming frighteningly close to today's ongoings, but in different ways. Orwell talks about a world where we would be enslaved by those in blind pursuits of power. Huxley talks about a world where we would enslave ourselves through the blind pursuits of pleasure. Both these notions seem to be happening in these modern times as we face all the bullshit of lockdowns and restrictions and police brutality, especially in countries like Australia at the moment and New Zealand. Those guys over in Oz and New Zealand are really suffering at the moment and need all our help and support we can throw at them. It seems you can't even talk to a neighbour over there at the moment or take your face mask off to, to take a drink. The idiots in charge of Australia will find out soon how their decisions have been taken by the public in the next elections, and maybe even sooner as the people are starting to revolt. I don't blame them at all. All this bullshit for a virus that has about the same chance of killing you as the flu. <clears throat> for the rest of the rest of us, the rest of the world, Huxley's notion has certainly been happening for years already. Now I have a sneaking suspicion that most of you will be naturally prejudiced in Orwell's favour, simply because he is the more well-known out of the two. He is more well-known in literary circles, literacy circles too, and even has a statue displayed in the courtyard of New Broadcasting House here in the UK. It seems people on the right see Orwell as a socialist turncoat, who on his deathbed sent in a list of some 500 fellow travellers who he believed might be sympathetic to the Soviet cause. That earned him the, the lasting love of people on the right who always seemed to show him as a good lefty who knew exactly where to draw the line. Now, people on the left loved him because he was an old Etonian who lived down and out in Paris. He wrote an anti-imperialist novel 
and clung to a kind of English traditionalism that you can see everywhere in 1984. It's also apparent that Orwell reversed the numerals in order to title his novel. 1984, of course, was written in 1948. All works of fiction, uh, fictional uh, prognostication, that's the act of forecasting or predicting, we know is a truism really about their own era. So 1984 becomes about 1948. So I ask you, is 2021 more like 1948? In other words, are we as a society recovering from a recent world war or worried about another one? Or are we in a condition as a country perhaps more akin to 1931? when Huxley wrote Brave New World. The years directly after the stock market crash, where you saw very much the same pattern of deprivation in Britain that we are seeing now in 2021, with a kind of isolated and perhaps a still relatively well-off group in the southeast of the country and considerable poverty and deprivation elsewhere in the country. I am talking about England, of course, for anyone who for anyone who wasn't quite sure. So I ask you again, are you suffering a life of constant deprivation at the moment, putting the exaggerated pandemic aside for one moment, or are your lives characterised by instant gratification, usually by consumption of one thing or another? Recent studies in cognitive science have established you get a little jolt of dopamine every time you get a notification on your phone. Every time you push a button on it, you are rewarded with a pleasurable sensation. You may have noticed during your screen time that there are a myriad of these little electric shocks going on throughout your day. Communications elites have cottoned onto this in such a big way, it's now virtually impossible to get a conversation out of anyone. All they all seem to be doing is sat there waiting for the next ping notification, telling them that they've got a like on a picture that they posted four months ago. I can really see how Huxley's mind was working when he wrote Brave New World. The only difference between us and the children in Brave New World, who have been conditioned to hate flowers, books, and indeed all beautiful things, is our own conditioning is happening while we are wide awake. Or are we? Most of us are in a trance-like state by the looks of things. Is the current lifestyle of today's consumer, in fact, a kind of waking dream? What Huxley understood only too well are conditions under what we might call late capitalism. In other words, the kind of neoliberal capitalist societies we live in today. What Huxley also understood only too well was that in an economy that is defined by consumption and advertising is the form of behavioural conditioning, everyone will be perfectly pacific as long as their needs and their wants are conflated in their own minds. 
That is very much the world we are living in today. You don't need to be a Marxist to understand that you are only a commodity. You don't need to feel that you've been conditioned to be conditioned. That just may be, uh, that just may be the real genius of the dystopic future that Huxley summons up in Brave New World. There's no strife, there's no angst. The only angst is his, uh, in his book is, has to be introduced by an agonist in the form of the stranger, uh, sorry, the savage, who comes from outside the perfect world of the one state, if you've read Brave New World. Orwell's dystopic future is so clearly based on the command economy of the Soviet Union, or recently China's totalitarianism. There's no real reference to production or how things are made. But in Huxley's world, it's true that what he looked for in terms of technological advance was most clearly in the biological sciences. But think about it. The conjunction, the, the conjunction in Brave New World of large scale genetic engineering and assembly line production equals the automation that is currently making most of the people in the lower paid jobs effectively unemployed in that we do not actually contribute to our own necessities. We do quite useless jobs, really. Orwell didn't quite grasp that. Orwell didn't purpose his dystopia in mind of the economic realities we face today. His book was more of a political attack, but Huxley understood the real economic terms of existence under late capitalism. And he had the vision because he understood that the key to terminants uh, term, of the nature of the future would be mankind's ongoing relationship with technology to a fashion, a portrait of a dystopic future, which while not exactly like the world we're living in today, but has so many similarities, it's uncanny. Both Huxley and Orwell feared their dystopian futures, just visioning them differently from one another. Orwell feared those that would ban books, while Huxley feared that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who would want to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information, yet Huxley feared those, would, uh, those who would give us so, information, so much information that we would be reduced to passivity and egotism. Now this is so true of today, as there is so much misinformation and disinformation being put out there on the internet, and most of it being put out there to do just that, turn up people's passivity levels, and most of the disinfo and misinfo being put out there is being circulated by our very own governments. Another good reason for this is to label anyone who asks questions a conspiracy theorist. This rings true if you look at the big tech censorship happening to the tens of thousands of scientists, doctors, professors and nurses all trying to get the truth out 
about what's happening in the in the pandemic in the last 18 months so orwell he feared the truth would be concealed from us while huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of ir irrelevance both true nation uh, notions orwell feared we would become a captive culture while Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied constantly. As Huxley remarked in Brave New World Revisited, the civil libertarians and the rationalists who are ever on the alert to oppose tyranny failed to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions. In 1984, People are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, people are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared that what we hate will ruin us, while Huxley feared that what we love will ruin us. Maybe some of these fears, both men were right. But having read both books a number of times and done my own research on both books and both authors, I think that Aldous Huxley's Brave New World does, in fact, come closest to today's reality. But it would be almost callous not to mention the opposite, the opposite rings true about the route some countries are heading. Places like Australia and New Zealand seem to have adopted the Orwell approach. Let's just hope that this doesn't catch on for the rest of the world. We do not want to go into no another lockdown. I don't think any of us do. But for the rest of us, for the time being at least, I think we fall closer on the older Huxley side, the brave new world side. We are living in the age of decadence, where us as human beings are being conditioned from the moment we are born. We are taught not how to think critically, but how to remember and how to behave. The how, but not the why. School curriculums don't seem to want to teach you critical thinking these days, how to think for yourself. They teach you how to comply, how to take orders, not really questioning anything we are taught. In essence, we are taught how to remember facts, that's it, but not taught how to process those facts correctly and asking questions about those facts to come to a much better understanding about them. When you stop using critical thinking, the mind doesn't really grow or expand in the way it should. Now this goes on our whole lives, all through school, in our work, and in our home life. The moment you turn on your TV, you are told how to act and how to behave, and even how you should feel. Almost robotic-like, complying with all the rules, not thinking for yourself, so not reaching conclusions using your own mind and thoughts. Total compliance in every corner of your life, if you let it. Hope, my friends, there is hope. There are still some of us that use critical thinking, yourselves included, or you simply wouldn't be here.
because the only reason we tune into podcasts like this uh, like this one is because we can see there's something not quite right happening in the last 18 months and certain things just don't add up we have questions and our questions aren't being answered and because of the notion that we even have questions we are quickly labeled conspiracy theorists or anti-vaxxers and so it goes on throughout your whole life constantly being fooled into the illusion of choice the illusion of choice being no more apparent than when we vote at the polls most do now realize that whoever gets in the quickly controlled by the likes of big tech big pharma the banking system and institutions such as the world health organization and the world economic forum easily swaying governments now huxley predicted we would be taught to comply using pleasure and yet today we are smothered in materialistic garbage we, we either neither need or have the power to control our phones practically rule our lives all very sad but so very true i have a huge amount of adoration and respect for both authors and i recommend you read both books but if I had to choose whose book comes closest, I'd have to admit to being firmly in the oldest Huxley's camp. But Orwell's book does resonate in countries like Australia and New Zealand at the moment. So both books hold truthful, truthful predictions just in different ways. And as Aldous Huxley was George Orwell's French teacher at school, it comes as no surprise Huxley seemingly was the wiser it came closest with brave new world now let's just take a step back and look at the bigger picture as we realize it wasn't just these two gentlemen trying to warn us all throughout history the history of cinema certainly filmmakers and directors have tried warning us so let's listen to a little scene from Alfred Hitchcock's Saboteur. Why is it that you sneer every time you refer to this country? You've done pretty well here, I don't get it. No, you wouldn't. You're one of the ardent believers, a good American. Oh, there are millions like you, people that plod along without asking questions. I hate to use the word stupid, but it seems to be the only one that applies. The great masses, the moron millions. Well, there are a few of us who are unwilling to just troop along. A few of us who are clever enough to see that there's much more to be done than just live small, complacent lives. A few of us in America who desire a more profitable type of government. When you think about it, Mr. Kane, the competence of totalitarian nations is much higher than ours. They get things done. Yeah, they get things done. They bomb cities, sink ships, torture and murder so you and your friends can eat off of gold plate. It's a great philosophy. I neither intend to be bombed nor sunk, Mr. Kane. That's why I'm leaving now. And if things don't go right for you, if uh, we should win, then I'll come back. Perhaps I can get what I want then. Power. Yes, 
I want that as much as you want your comfort or your job or, or that girl. We all have different tastes, as you can see. Only I'm willing to back my tastes with the necessary force. So, it wasn't just authors with terrifying predictions and warnings. It was filmmakers too. If you look hard enough, you can find them. So for now, happy hunting. And I'll leave you with George Orwell himself giving us his final warning. Until next time, toodaloo. But he left one final warning. 1984 is, I believe, a quite terrifying masterpiece. So terrifying, in fact, I don't think I should like to read another like it. I'm not absolutely dissatisfied with it. I think it is a good idea but the execution would have been better if I had not been under the influence of TB when I wrote it. You once claimed that you have an ability to face unpleasant facts. Is that what you've demonstrated in 1984 by drawing an accurate portrait of the future? I think that allowing for the book being, after all, a parody, something like 1984 could actually happen. This is the direction the world is going in at the present time. In our world, there will be no emotions except fear, rage, triumph and self-abasement. The sex instinct will be eradicated. We shall abolish the orgasm. There will be no loyalty except loyalty to the party. But always there will be the intoxication of power. Always, at every moment, there will be the thrill of victory, the sensation of trampling on an enemy who is helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. The moral to be drawn from this dangerous nightmare situation is a simple one. Don't let it happen. It depends on you.